Hello, and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemper Oper in Dresden, Germany. The intent of this podcast is to enhance singers' study of diction by hearing the text of songs and arias spoken by native speakers, to give a broad range of opinions from native speakers on their own language, and to give singers practical tools for practicing and learning foreign languages. This podcast came about because a colleague in the States had asked for a recommendation on German diction books. In researching that for him, I found that there are many good diction books on the market, but that books are limited to discussing diction in an abstract way. For example, knowing that a vowel should be a closed E is one thing, but being able to hear the difference between a German closed E and an Italian closed E is something else. Here we'll bring the diction rules alive off the page. In general, there won't be singing on this podcast. There are so many opportunities to find recordings both online and in libraries that here we'll focus primarily on hearing the texts of songs and arias spoken by professional singers and coaches and then discussing what we hear. The best way I know to learn a song, aria, or opera is to start by memorizing the text before ever learning a note of music. It may seem slower in the beginning, but in the end it leads to better memory and security in performance and oftentimes solves vocal technical problems before they occur just by clearly defining the vowels and sentence structure. I won't be providing translations for the texts we're using, but we'll be talking about grammar on occasion because that also has an effect on diction. If you want to follow the text but don't have the music for a specific piece, you can find texts to most, to most art songs at recmusic.org slash leader, L-I-E-D-E-R. I'll also post a link to this website at the blog at thedictionpolice.com. To get the most out of this podcast, it'll be helpful to have a good working knowledge of basic diction rules and the international phonetic alphabet. Before we get started, I just wanted to give you a little bit of my background. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Piano Performance from Carnegie Mellon University, a Master's in Accompanying from the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, and I was in the Young Artist programs of Florida Grand Opera, Glimmerglass Opera, and Des Moines Metro Opera. I spent several years in the States doing contract work with companies like Opera Company of Philadelphia, Pittsburgh Opera, Kentucky Opera, Baltimore Opera, among many others. And I spent two, two summers on the music staff of Glimmerglass Opera. In 2003, I moved to Germany, where I spent eight months as a coach for the Mein Franken Theater in Würzburg, two years as head coach for the Stadttheater Pforzheim, four years on the music staff of the Deutsche Oper am Rhein in Dusseldorf, a short contract with Oper Frankfurt this past fall, and I started my contract with the Dresden Zemper Oper in January of this year. In the summers, I work for the University of Miami's Salzburg program coaching young singers, and I also give master classes in the spring in the United States at several universities. I'm fluent in German and English, conversant in French, Italian, Spanish, and modern Greek, and have a good basic working knowledge in Russian. Since I live in Germany, We'll be concentrating a great deal on German repertoire, but I'll try whenever I have the chance to get Italian, French, Russian, or even Czech colleagues to come in as well. Some of my colleagues feel better speaking in their native language when we discuss the text. In those cases, I'll leave their answers, their original answers in, and translate on the fly as we go along. There are some words and phrases that you'll hear today that it'll be useful to recognize. The first is genau, which means exactly, and it's a word you're going to hear all the time from anyone who's ever lived in Germany. 
and auf jeden Fall, which means definitely. On this first episode, we'll be discussing the texts to Haydn Röslein and Der Gärtner. Haydn Röslein is a Goethe poem which has been set by many composers, most notably Schubert, Brahms, and Lehár. It's also a folk song here in Germany. Sah ein Knab ein Röslein stehen, Röslein auf der Heiden. War so jung und morgenschön, lief er schnell es nachzusehen saß mit vielen Freuden. Röslein, Röslein, Röslein rot, Röslein auf der Heiden. Knabe sprach, ich breche dich, Röslein auf der Heiden. Röslein sprach, ich steche dich, dass du ewig denkst an mich, und ich will's nicht leiden. Röslein, Röslein, Röslein rot, Röslein auf der Heiden. Und der wilde Knabe brach's Röslein auf der Heiden. Röslein wehrte sich und stach, half ihm doch kein Weh und Ach, mußt es eben leiden. Röslein, Röslein, Röslein rot, Röslein auf der Heiden. That was Nadja Mashantov reading Haydn Röslein. And I actually picked this piece specifically for the title and the fact that in this song we say the word Röslein about 6,000 times. And <laughs> a friend of mine, a coach friend of mine in the States last summer had asked me about the S in this word because technically it comes from Rose, which is a closed O, and then a, a voiced S. And because of that, in one of the diction books that she was working with, it said that this should be a voiced S. But when we when we add the ending of Röslein, the S is unvoices, right? Yeah, ja, auf jeden Fall. Röslein. Und Rose wäre halt, wie du schon richtig gesagt hast, stimmhaft. Yeah. So Röslein, definitely a closed O-Umlaut sound, and then an unvoiced S. Weil bei Röslein mit einem S ist das Ö anders als bei Rösslein, wo wir zwei S oder ein SZ haben, was von Ross, dem Pferd, kommt. Ein exactly. anderes Wort für Pferd. So we have, what we're talking about is the difference between the, the word for a small rose, Rösslein, which is the closed O-Umlaut with the, with the uh, unvoiced S, and what we find in Der Gärtner, which is a Ross, a horse, so a small Ross is a Rösslein. Genau. Das liegt an dem, wieder hier an dem Doppelkonsonanten, der nach dem Vokal folgt, also Röslein und Rösslein. And it's because of the, the double S in Ross, although it looks like an SZ, that, the, that opens the vowel and shortens the vowel. We also come in this piece straight to the word Knab, K-N-A-B. Now, in English, we have a lot of words that start with K-N, or I should say a few words that start with K-N, and we don't say the K. But in German, we always say the K, right? Yeah, auf jeden Fall. Knab. Knab. Mm -hmm. We have, in English, we have knee, but in German, the word is knie. So they always say that K sound before the N. The other thing about the word Knab is that it's short. You see the apostrophe at the end of it, and they, what they've done is left off that final E. When you do that, you can devoice the vowel at, at the consonant at the end of the word. So instead of Knabe, it becomes Knab. 
So you hear that it's a P. It's not really an exploded P, though, right? Yeah, it's just ein scharfes B. P. Also eine Mischung zwischen B und P. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's a, a very sharp B, but without any voice to it. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a, a Mischung. That's my Dinglish. <laughs> it's a, a, a mixture of the two, of a B and a P. Yeah, here we have Knabe. That is weich. Yes. B. At the beginning of the second verse, mm -hmm. she's talking about we have the knabe with, with the soft B, with the voiced B. And actually, while we're in the second verse, I want everybody to notice that in the second verse, we have a lot of the front CH sound, the Sedilla phonetic alphabet letter. And in the third verse, we have a lot of the phonetic letter X, the back CH. So if you don't mind giving us a few, say a few of these all over again for us. Mm -hmm. Ich breche dich. Ich steche dich. And we have an exception that's not spelled with a CH here in the, that second verse. Ewig, mich, nicht. And in the last verse, we have more of the back XCH sound. Brach, stach, ach. So you can hear the difference. The, the back CH sound is much further back, and the front position is with the tongue in a high, just a higher position so that it, the air can float over it against the, the palate. Mm -hmm. I also, while we're in that third verse, we have a couple of places where vowels are followed by L's. And in America we have a very back L, but in German they don't have a back L. Mm -hmm. It's always in the, with the tip of the tongue, it's always at the front ja. of the mouth. Immer die Zunge schön weit nach vorn an die, an die, an die Zähne. Wilde oder Röslein. Half. And that's when I really want to make sure they yeah. hear half, that they don't, that the A doesn't get infected by the L. Genau. One grammar point I wanted to mention in this third verse is that we have a reflexive verb. So when you have, we have the, the third sentence, Röslein wehrte sich. It can't be Röslein wehrte, that's not the whole verb. It has to be Röslein wehrte sich because he defended himself. Genau. So the sich doesn't go with und stach, it goes with the part before mm -hmm. it. Notice that in the phrase Röslein wehrte sich, that we would say those exact same words in English in the exact same order. The little rose defended itself. Now you can't always say that about German. One of the things that makes it a difficult language to learn is just trying to get those words in the correct order. What I would suggest is as you're translating it, try to figure out what the subject, verb, and objects are and try to make sent a sentence structure out of that. Also, as you're translating, say the sentences several times in English and figure out which words are important to you, and then try to emphasize those same words in German. Our second text today is Der Gärtner. This is a Mörike poem, and it too has been set by many composers, but we tend to think of it as a Wolf song. Auf ihrem Leibrösslein, so weiß wie der Schnee, die schönste Prinzessin reit durch die Allee. Der Weg, den das Rösslein hintanzet, so hold, der Sand, den ich streute, erblinket wie Gold. Du Rosenfarbs Hütlein, wohl auf und wohl ab, O wirf eine Feder verstohlen herab. Und willst du dagegen eine Blüte von mir, Nimm tausend für eine, 
Nimm alle dafür. That was Hans Zotin reading Der Gärtner. Now you're going to hear some of the same information in my interview with Hans as you did with Nadia. And I specifically left this information in because when people say things in a different way, sometimes we understand it better or sometimes we learn better just by sheer repetition of the same facts. Again, I started out by asking Hans about the S in the word Röslein. I would think that the S's has to be sharp. Röslein. <laughs> Röslein. And we start out here with auf ihrem Leib. Röslein. Röslein. Yeah. So it's not, they don't sound the same at all. No. Can you explain be the difference and why? Yeah, because little Ross, Ross <laughs> is a Rösslein. So that's why it's, it can't be Rösslein. It's and from, from Rose. And so Rösslein. So we get the nice yeah. closed version of yeah. and here the short opener version yeah. of it. I also wanted to ask you about Reit durch die Allee. Would you say Reit durch die no. Allee? No. You don't have this in German, this Titte. No? No. It does. It's just for seeing it, ha it should be Reitet durch die Allee. But just to, just for the rhythm. But that, yet that you see that what's this, which, which word was meant. Right. But it's not for the, the Exactly, for the pronunciation. But with that, then, you would, in this case, make the two right durch. You would separate the, the T and not say right durch. Right durch, yeah, right durch, yeah. Sometimes it depends on how much tem uh, time you have for this, to, to link a T and D, or just to have it... Uh, separated. So, right durch die Allee. Mm -hmm. In this tempo, I would link it. Right durch die Allee. So then you, you can, can separate yeah, the two it sounds. Depends on the situation. Another little place where we have a couple of diction rules that we can go over. We have closed O in, and we have the glottal sound in this little sentence here. Could you read that one for us again? Wohl auf und wohl ab. So, we have a very crazy closed O. O, yeah. And long, o, right? Yeah. Wohl, and then this, the break before the vowels, right? Yes. Definitely. Can you say it one more time? To wohl auf und wohl ab. And then going on. O wirf eine Feder. So wirf, it's an open sound. So it's so not. It's not wirf. Exactly. No. We also really like our umlauts in America. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Because the we thing. don't really don't have, have these sounds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Could you say a little bit of this ending? Because we have a couple of. Yeah, the sound is ü, Blüte. Eine Blüte von mir. Cool. And the last little line is the same sound, das right? Nimm alle dafür. Yeah, it's the same. Ü. So a closed sound. It's not sound. Just move. <laughs> Start with a U and then move your tongue up in that little. Exactly. Play around. Then e, maybe you find e it one sound. day. This, uh, Another word to pay special attention to in Der Gärtner is Weg. At the start of the second verse, W-E-G, Der Weg. So in this instance, it's a long and closed E, Weg. Now throughout German Lieder and German poetry, you will also see W-E-G written with a lowercase w. If it's spelled with a lowercase w, it's an adverb that means away. And in this case, it's always short and open, Weg. So the easy trick to recognizing whether it's weg or weg is whether it's an uppercase or lowercase w. 
If it's lowercase, it's always vec, and if it's uppercase, it's probably vec. Today's interview is with Rainer Mühlbach, who is a conductor with an international career that spans over 25 years. He's a native of Dresden when it was back, back when it was part of East Germany before the Berlin Wall came down. In fact, Reiner conducted the rehearsals for Leonard Bernstein for the Freedom Concert, the Beethoven 9, in celebration of the wall falling, and he went on to become Lenny's assistant for three years. He's currently a Kapellmeister, which means a staff conductor, at the Deutsche Opernverein in Dusseldorf, and he coaches at the Hochschule, or the Music Conservatory, there in Dusseldorf as well. Please forgive the background noises. Reiner and I got to talking after lunch in the canteen at the Zemperoper, so you'll hear a little of the kitchen cleanup but I hope you'll agree that what he has to offer is worth a little background noise. In your opinion, how different is German diction when it's sung as opposed to speaking it? I think that spoken German is, uh, has another um, Bestimmung. And then there are other reasons why we are talk about things uh, to organize, to, to whatever. If we sing, we have uh, be working with special Poetic German. This is the first thing, and uh, in, in poetic, in poesy and poems, the, the sound of words has a totally other, much more concrete bedeutung meaning, meaning, as if you say, uh, buy some bread. <laughs> Go to the yeah. store and buy some bread. <laughs> it would say it, it. It would be a different thing if you have the same sentence in a, a poem. It has a total another purpose yes exactly that's why I would would not say first do that or that differently but speak more consciously know exactly what you are saying and then try to use uh, uh, try to find the most expressive kind of sound and it can change with every other context, other context in every other context that? exactly yeah it can be the same phrase in another context can be, can sound very differently. This is the only thing. The first thing is to understand for the audience how what you're saying, and then to to color it, to, to show to that with the language. It. Yeah. Yeah. This is perhaps for foreigners a much more difficult thing. But which which possibilities do I have to say the word blume? It's a normal word blume. It's much harder in in, in a normal language. And if I sing it, and it should be painted, like uh, Schumann's Lotusblume, die Lotusblume ängstigt sich vor der Sonne pracht. It's differently. If I would say that, normally everyone would uh, say, he's a little bit mad, of course. <laughs> but uh, this consciousness... Consciousness? Awareness? Consciousness, yeah. Awareness? Um, we have to have with singing, otherwise there is no reason. Yeah. Why do I sing that? Why does the composer uh, make a song from with this poem? Talk to us about double consonants, because I know in Italian we have to close off the last sound with the consonant, so I'm trying to think of some good examples. Uh, assassino. So we end the S, we end the first sound with the S, and we start the, the next Allegro. sound with this. Allegro. But in, in German, what's, are there rules? Is yeah. there a way to know? <laughs> the, 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 I remember that I learned in the, in the ground school. Uh, in uh, grade, school, grade school. Uh, 
we learned the rule that the double consonant has to be short. But for singing, I change it a little bit. Uh, normally we would say one stille Mutter. It's not too long. It's not like the Italian uh, that you really if, uh, speak a long vowel, a long consonant. But while singing, I do it actually more as the, as the Italians do. One to make the you can you can so uh, transport so much over this Dublin one, but there is no no special rule. It, it, it has not to be specific long or specific short. You can use it um, actually as you like to get the beautiful expression. Yeah. So in in a lot of ways still along with what you were saying before to make the color of the word. Yes. So in 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 for example in Die Zauberflöte when Pamina says Mutter Mutter because of the cry she could say more T's maybe. Yes, she can and and, and another one uh, does it more over the M and, and the U so you don't need the T or whatever because the T of course is is quite hard. It's a hard consonant Mutter Mutter she in in this situation in the Zauberflöte she's really suffering perhaps do you have another example I don't know the Hüllerache here, here I would not uh, sing it too short because otherwise you wouldn't understand it the no one would understand the Hüllerache you get much more uh, power in it mm -hmm. if you speak it a little bit longer. This is also uh, what I feel in the Italian double consonants, you get much more strength in the word. If you assassino. And if you don't do it, it sounds somehow uh, <laughs> a certain word for it in Saxon. Lapsch, lapish, lapsch, uh, powerless. Well then, do you believe that all singers should be able to sing all the same consonants and vowels all the way through the range that is at the bottom and at the very top of the range. If you have something like uh, Queen of the Night, should she be able to sing pure vowels and pure consonants way at the top of her range? As usually I say, of course it has to be the original vowel. There is no reason because it's a high note to, to get out of the word. First it has to be understandable, the word which you're singing course and especially with the Königin it is just an R and there is no word that has to be understood uh, um, so you can you have a chance to make it a little bit comfortable but there are other points uh, if you think about the Agathe this is a typical German joke uh, example uh, in the big aria this is Agatha from the Freischutz. Yes. There is the high G sharp and it's on the word Himmel. And if something, how some singers do, they say Hammel. And if you know what is a Hammel, you know exactly what the difference means between Himmel and Hammel. Uh, so there is no, no excuse to say Hammel. This is um, wrong just wrong. Mm -hmm. There are possibilities sometimes, there are uh, points to, to open an, an uncomfortable U or O in a little bit comfortable position, but somehow it has to come over that is still a no or is it still a new. So as long as it's recognizable for yes, what it should yes, be. Yes, yes, yes.
Are there any specific sounds that Americans seem to have a real problem with in German? And I asked him this question, having just had lunch with him, where he told me he still can hear my American R is showing up. So I think I already know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, the R is perhaps one point. The other point, and we know, uh, is the U umlaut. U früh hübsch. It's a very, very difficult word for Americans, I guess. Mm, well, that's also, there's, there are two different yeah, sounds. Yeah, that yeah, open yeah. U umlaut yeah, is very yeah. tough. A short one, open, and then the closed. Früh, hübsch, für, süß, müde, Müllerin. Müllerin, with two L's. Müllerin. Yes, Müllerin. Zurück, verrückt. So, Kühle. zurück and verrückt yeah. are much opener. Und hübsch. And this, hübsch. Is, this is really a hard word. Hübsch. Also for, for Germans to say it. To say it hübsch. <laughs> to say right? pretty. Yes. <laughs> Hübsch means pretty, by the way. Uh, yeah. This is the right expression. This are maybe the points. The other point is uh, what we talked about already, that uh, also Germans are not so... Specific. Specific with their vowels, I think. And, and I um, prefer very clear, nearly Italian good Italian spoken vowels also in German. It makes the language richer, clearer, pure somehow and you have uh, you then you can uh, if you have this as, as a basic thing as a groundation very clear a o u the the opening of the mouth very different then you can change as in, in, in speci specific parts how you want to color it. You can make the, the pink more darkly or more, more bright or whatever. But first it has to be quite clear. Thank you so much for joining us today, Reiner. You're welcome. Just as a side note, after we'd had this interview that evening, Reiner conducted a performance of Die Zauberflöte that I played the glockenspiel for. That I've, ooh, it's a good thing I'm not the grammar police. For which I played the glockenspiel. Uh, and when we got to the second act finale where Pamina sings Mutter Mutter, we were both listening very carefully to see what she would do. Uh, the soprano sang the first Mutter with a long doubled T, and the second Mutter, she doubled the M. So she sang Mutter Mutter. Uh, so it's all in how you want to color the words. And just to clarify one other point from Reiner's interview, we talked about the high note in Agata's aria from der Freischütz, that it's on the word Himmel. If you modify the vowel too far, Himmel becomes Hamel, which means a lamb, a baby sheep. Or Hummel, which is a bumblebee. And that's our show for today. If you have any comments or suggestions for me, please feel free to contact me, Ellen Rissinger, through the blog at thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the, thedictionpolice.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and give it a high rating so that more people can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check the blog to see what's coming next week.